We ended up getting this wall built on a playing field, which faced the track side. And it was a ridiculous box. It was a 96 foot long wall by, I think it was eight feet tall, something like that. 60% of what's in my head, if I can get that on a wall, like 60% of what's on in my brain, if I can get that on there, that I'm, I'm kind of happy. Possibly the most blatant survey I've ever seen in my entire life. Welcome to episode 30 of Toy Division. This episode is with the UK graph writer. Please subscribe, give us a five star review, share with your mates. People are sending messages uh, to Toy Division underscore podcast, and it's nice to be getting all that positive feedback. Quite a few people have been saying that they'd be up for some more episodes per week. I guess I'm just trying to go through working out how I can actually make that happen, because on average it's taking four-ish hours per episode, and um, life is getting in the way, and I'd like to carry on making this podcast possible. If anyone's got any ideas, just send a direct message, other than sell my ass on the street. I'm not really up for doing that again, and um, yeah, we can work something out. Anyway, enough of my bullshit. Please enjoy. So anyway, I don't normally give a countdown. So welcome to Toy Division. I'm not going to say which episode number it is because I've realised I put that at the beginning of the podcast and then really badly try and remember which episode it is with the guest. So let's not fucking bother with that. Also, no COVID talk. I've had a bit of feedback. People are bored of COVID talk. So um, we'll cut that out. But how are you anyway? Yeah, not too bad, mate. Not too bad. Uh, yeah, like you say, crazy times and everyone's bored shitless of talking about it, really, aren't they? So. <laughs> and just to, again, just to give people a bit of context, this is September 2020 and today's guest is in the UK. And as I have been virtually, well, no, virtually, I haven't... <sighs> mate, I need more of this coffee. Um, I was going to say, like virtually other rep- every other episode, I'm in Australia. I haven't been anywhere else but. But I'm hoping that eventually when travel restrictions changed, I can go on a bit of a tour and interview people around the world. Fucking how how exquisite. Anyway, so so you're in the UK and it's your evening. So let's, um, let's dive into talking about some graffiti stuff. So um, in the area where you lived or where you grew up or where you first started writing, who was the most prolific writer street artist person that drew dicks on the walls in your area um so like when i was growing up like it was more of like a crew thing so like you'd have four or five guys from the same crew called paint wasters and they were just fucking everywhere like you couldn't go anywhere like without seeing at least one of them up somewhere so like growing up it was really really inspiring because you just had like well anyone that knows them they're just all of them are fucking dope and so you can't help but just sort of clock it here clock it there and even like you go traveling now or like i'll be out and about and like it's like you know like when you're going across and you see something like in the distance but you only just catch it sort of i could be in a car or something like that and then sort of catch just a little glimpse of something and be like oh shit that's one of one of those guys so it was kind of them. And then there was a kid that moved down from Nottingham and he just sort of, come from a little, tiny little bumpkin town. Yep. And he very, very quickly smashed the entire town. <laughs> so it was sort of little things like that, really. I saw that sort of stuff growing up. And then sort of, as I was sort of 
started working and stuff, going into London a bit more, then you just start, you see what real, like, the real boys on the scene are about. Yeah, shows you a different context, doesn't it? And Oprah and all them lot. Yeah. And uh, interestingly enough, talking about, you know, someone moving from another, from another area and then just absolutely smashing the back doors out of a local town, just like a king of a small town, and then just fucking red hot themselves out because it's fucking very obvious where that person is. And the police just take great pleasure in thinking they're fucking um, Columbo. Like, wow, we've worked on oh, this yeah, really yeah. complex case. Especially Before. in little towns like that, because everyone's related anyway, so everyone knows everyone's business. Yeah. It didn't take an awful lot of time before sort of people get get their, like you say, they get their dirty Macs out and then sort of bust <laughs> out who's who. And sometimes you have like a local hero who takes it upon themselves to, um, I'm, probably this didn't happen there, but I've heard of, I was talking to a friend here, there's an area called the Blue Mountains, uh, just outside Sydney. And there's this apparent, this like proper local hero guy who's just going to tolerated spots, watching people paint, fucking getting their number plates, reporting the number plates to the police. Like, fucking hell, come on. But I suppose for some people, you know, like that Joe, what's his name? Joe's, fuck, I don't know, the dude in the US where he just oh, loves- that mate, he sort of follows, he's like, look, if you follow the tags, you can see that they're coming from school. <laughs> yeah, wow, well done, Columbo. If you, if you walk down a certain street, you'll find that someone does a few tags on the same street. Fucking hell, this guy needs the Nobel Peace Prize for genius. And out of context, that sounds a bit noncy anyway, doesn't it? Like, I've been following these kids from school, I know where they live. And just, for anyone that's not from the UK, a nonce is a nice term for a paedophile from the UK, because I... I have got a couple of Aussie mates and they'd heard me and another English mate call each other a nonce, which is a lovely thing to do, you know, call one of your good friends a paedophile. Um, <laughs> and they didn't understand what it meant and they were just kind of using it in a different context. They didn't really understand that it actually is essentially calling someone a paedophile. And then it kind of came to light and they're like, that's really fucking dark. Why are you calling your mates paedophiles? I don't know just <laughs> twisted british humor i i have to say that there's there is that weird strange fascination with being really fucking horrible to your mates sometimes but anyway that's a whole other subject so so there was pws as paint wasters and i've definitely heard of them i just something flashed in my mind of a pws piece of a certain style i couldn't quite remember who that actually was but they were definitely a very well-known crew and then saying going up to London and just seeing the whole different ball game you know Oka that's popped up on a, another episode that I recorded recently and then DDS because it's almost a British institution when it comes to graffiti so was there anyone in DDS that you'd noticed specifically um all the roads that I used to go down to get to the places I used to work at it was like it was mainly like fume and zonk and and Cossa and all people like that. But then you just see so much, like at that point, that was when they had their, I'm guessing it was like the breaking point before they had the cull of all the bumpkins or as legend takes it. And yeah. so I'm guessing at that point, it was got to, like you see sometimes with crews, like the crew gets so big that it sort of takes on its own sort of life, if you know what I mean. Yeah. And then you've just got this whole thing of like, well, who's putting who in and who's actually like in charge and or who are the 
like the top boys are they still even painting at the moment do you know what i mean so i think that's at that point where I, like me and my mates were just like fanboying out completely and just trying to keep it's like how many of them are there like surely some of them like must write something else as well like no 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 that's something else completely different so you come up with all kinds of wild theories about who was who and I've heard it on a couple of the other podcasts where like you have this idea of what someone's like in your head before you meet them yeah and so like you just create like this whole backstory for something which is probably absolute bollocks but it was that, that sort of time though where it's sort of London was battered it was look like it was just it looked to be so competitive down there and if you weren't like out there putting the work in you weren't going to get noticed and I would say about some people from certain crews, you, you know, you build up your idea in your head what they're going to be like. You're like, wow, I couldn't have been any more wrong. And then some people you actually meet them and you're like, no, they're exactly like I imagined. <laughs> and uh, yeah, yeah. maybe I'd probably, if I ever even just walk past them in the street, I'll just think maybe I'll stay a little bit further away. There's, um, I think the, you know, people always take the piss out of the, the gossipy rumor mill in graffiti, but I think that's what, I don't know. I, you know, it's it's it would be good to think that we don't like because oh, I think it's often quite a there's quite a stereotype. It's quite a, a female thing to do. Oh, it's just women that gossip. Oh, it's just women that gossip. You know, little little gossip gossip circle, whatever. It's like that's what keeps graffiti really interesting. Those little stories. I remember hearing that story years ago. It's like yeah, blah blah blah. Made the mistake of taking out their their collection of all their train flicks on a train, and then someone just fucking threw it out the window when it was going down the line. And then I've actually kind of met that person who supposedly chucked the photos out the window. And I was like, yeah, I bet they fucking probably did, to be honest. So <laughs> I don't know. It's um, it's 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 like a never-ending rumor mill. But you're right. These these things is is with crews is where they can. You think, well, who's actually putting this person in it? And who's 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 kind of in control? So, from my understanding, DDS was started by Shoe Two and Sub, I believe, and they're the, they're the kind of the originators. But I know that well, I've heard that DDS then came from other crews. There was like bits of different crews and stuff like that. So, it's um again that could yeah, be completely that's, fucking that's wrong. Story where it just it kind of got big enough that it just started absorbing everyone into it. Like the Borg, the DDS Borg. <laughs> just yeah, like, yeah. yeah. There's no point in firing it, just get on with it. Yeah, just get on with it. DDS is taking over. Boom, and then they'll cull out some of the bumpkins, like you were saying, because I know I won't say the writers, I know people probably know, but there were certain writers that are still going now and some that don't write big names. But I remember just thinking, wow, I, they're putting up DDS. I don't think they're very London. And it was like, they obviously realised now nah, we're getting any, anyone that's not from zone one, two or three on the London underground, then they're out. And for people that are listening and don't know what the term a bumpkin is. So I don't know if you want to help me on this one, but what would you, def if someone said called you a bumpkin, how would you, well, how would you think you'd find it? As far as everyone's concerned, you're there going, driving around on a combine harvester. Sort of, hats full of farm animals so it's like yeah just like you're you're not from the city like little country boys yeah oh yeah because if you're not from zone one two or three and just for people that aren't have been to london you have zones on london underground 
So the more it goes out, I think it goes up to zone six, doesn't it? It's like the proper outskirts of London on the tube. And then, um, yeah, you're right. If you're not from like, I think I think the thing is, is that London's one of those really big cities where there is, yeah, there's parks, but there's no real like woods or green land that much, is it? And, you know, some people have never even been to the countryside and they'll see anyone that's from, you know, I grew up like 40 minutes direct train from London Waterloo. And that area was definitely known as Bumpkin. Yeah, I mean, I, I had a thing the other day, I mean, not graph related, but I was just sat outside of a bar and there were two girls from London there, like where I am now, we're sort of similar sort of thing, sort of out in the sticks a little bit or close to the country. And you could obviously set, like smell that they'd been like mucking the fields or something. So it's just like this vague <laughs> waft of cow shit coming over. And like, everyone else was like, oh, God, it stinks. But these guys from London were loving it. It's like, oh my God, like country smells amazing. I was like, really? That's what you're into? I find well, it a bit odd. What does London smell like then? Jesus. Money, probably. Um, <laughs> then that's really damning. Shout out to everyone that I know that lives and grew up in London. I'm not slating London. You know, I, I idolised London when it came to graffiti when I was starting out i think i've said in another episode my thing was i wanted to paint in london it's such a giant area but in my mind it was like a whole other world oh yeah i mean it is like when you come from out of it it's like how do you even begin to scratch the surface of it really i mean it's it's ridiculous to even think that you could but obviously people have done it but that's a very different breed of animals than myself it's sort of like the people that do that I've, like all the respect in the world to them because yeah. you've got to put up with so much shit, I would imagine, to actually even get in the door. And I guess the other and thing... Like you get in and then get back out again. Yeah, exactly. And, you know, I think I've said in another episode that there's... Often you look at people that are that prolific and you're like, how the fuck do you actually go to work? Because not everyone who's a hardcore graph writer lives that graph life. Not everyone is like, yeah, I only rack... I rack my socks and I rack everything. Yeah, fair play to you. If you want to do that, great. But some people are like actually paying mortgages and shit. But I often wonder, is it just that dedication or is that just an excuse for me? I'm like, oh, it's too difficult. I can't do it because I've got to go to work. But then I'll sit just staring at fucking Netflix for seven hours on a Sunday. It's like, well, you could have gone out and painted, but that's my own. It's my own cross to bear. So, okay, so there was pretty active writers and then going up to the, the big smoke, as they call it. Geographically, where I'm from, we were sort of in the middle of a perfect triangle between London, Cambridge and Peterborough. So oh, we yeah. had all these like these little scenes. Well, London, obviously a big scene, but then Cambridge and Peterborough, it was just incredible because you could go like Cambridge, you see like Siege and Petro and everyone else and all like, again, like the paint wasted lot who then um, is it uh, TNF and BRF and M boys and then you go up to Peterborough and you get all them lot and then there was at that point there was sort of like this similar to the DDS thing really sort of everyone seemed to get folded into the same thing and so it was just that little bit further removed from sort of the London side of things where the styles were just really different and you could see like the influence was it was much more insular so as opposed to everyone looking that way, it was sort of like, well, we've got our own little thing going on over here. Well, TNF is definitely a <clears throat> crew that sticks out in my mind. Uh, track and field, the North Face. I remember seeing quite a lot of their stuff. 
and um, is or were um, was it BRF British Rail Fan Club? Those guys, yeah, his yeah, and uh, his and bitch from that sort of area. So that I really agree with you. There was that different sort of style. I wouldn't call it more loose, but there was definitely some influences from different sort of styles of graffiti. I, I, again, it's always interesting to talk to people because you know, people just have this idea in their mind now that, oh, everyone just fucking copies it off the internet. That's what it is. No one ever makes anything up anymore. So well, I'm, I'm not quite sure about that, but you look at those kind of old styles or older styles, but it sounds like an amazing place to start getting into graffiti where you've got all these different areas and people being involved. So it sounds pretty inspiring. Yeah, I mean, it was a shitty place to grow up, really, but it was a good place to get to other places, if that makes sense. Oh, well, that's like where I grew up. Everything was distant, so it was all like 45 minutes either way on the train, and you were going to go see something fresh every weekend. So it, considering it's 45 minutes each way, uh, to each place individually, did that mean that all the different train lines down to those places were just hammered? Yeah, sort of main line into Peterborough from London was absolutely battered. Uh, Cambridge line, not as much, but still pretty, he like closer you got to Cambridge, the more it got battered. And then once you got onto the main line, all them lot were then sort of cane in the line, like us lot were going, doing our little thing. So it was, yeah, I mean, it was high turnover as well, because like spots would get buffed out pretty quick. There was quite a bit of buff that was happening. It wasn't just like, you know, some scenes where it's just almost just keeps going and people are doing roller pieces and people are doing roller backgrounds and then pieces above the pieces. There was actually quite a lot of buff happening on the lines. You'd have like, yeah, you'd have like little phases of it where particular walls that you knew that they weren't going to last all that long or it, even if it didn't get buffed out, like someone was going to go over it. So there's quite a lot of, um, not necessarily beef or anything really, but it just seemed it was understood on that our little stretch of line at least anyway it was like okay well so-and-so's got that bit and one of the youngsters will come up or whatever and then they'll go over it and then they get gone over again but then like you meet up with them and it was all i wouldn't say exactly good natured but it was just sort of like look we've all started off not knowing what we're doing <laughs> it was sort of i don't know if like nurturing scene is the right thing to say and i don't know a lot of people from that way if they listen to this probably think what the fuck is he talking about <clears throat> but that's sort of like how i took it anyway it's like there was a lot of um yeah a lot of like encouragement really yeah weren't that many assholes around <laughs> which is nice <laughs> it's always yeah. a plus and also then the people that you maybe perceive as assholes actually you end up meeting them and they're like actually no they're all right maybe we just had uh misunderstanding about what we're all trying to achieve. I think that's often a thing in graffiti. There's, you know, maybe someone does a tag over your piece in the dark, fucking drunk out of their mind. They're like, that's a personal attack on my fucking life. Yeah, that was a calculated move. That was a, yeah, that was a calculated nasty move and they've been searching out for me and it was actually, they were just pissed and it was dark and it was on a trackside with no light and you've, you, the, the color on the signal box was like, <clears throat> You couldn't actually fucking see it in the dark, because I've had, I, you know, I've seen that, but and I've done that before. I've kind of been somewhere. It's been very dark. Thought, oh, this is completely clean. Just done something on it, and then gone past it and gone, oh shit, that's yeah, just. Yeah, it's, 
in the morning you go back and you're like oh no <laughs> a walk done, they? the walk of graph shame where you go back and you've like <laughs> attempted a fucking proper piece and at the time you're like yeah that was fucking sick love it yes go back the next day and it just looks like someone has taken a shit in chrome on the wall and then it's I just like one of the one of the only things left of mine in my hometown is a fucking awful awful tag just like on this old bridge and it's on the way to my nan's house and so every time i go and see her i have to see it and it's sort of like you get filled with equal parts nostalgia and then the other bit is just like oh god that's still there jesus someone just, just smash that wall down get rid of it yeah, why can't someone just demolish that building? <laughs> it's on a it's on a four story building. Why can't they just smash it down? Fuck you. Yeah, chance that I mean, fuck knows what paint it was, but it seemingly lasts forever. So it's like that's going to bleed through whatever you put on it. <sighs> like, just eradicate the whole thing. You know what I find? I was talking to some friends on Saturday night, and they don't write. And they were like, how many pieces do you reckon you've done? And I was like, oh, I don't really fucking know. And they're like, how many, how many, even including tags, how many do you reckon you've done in your heart? And I was like, it must go into the thousands past a certain point because I was very, very proactively doing stuff. But then I do get sent photos by people and they're like old, old tags. It must be like 20 years old. And I'm like, where the fuck is that? don't even remember doing that and then those other nights you know maybe you're on a fucking pub crawl you bump into someone who writes and they've got a bag full of paint and before you know it you've just gone and fucking gone nuts and then you don't I, I mean I often don't remember it and I'd like walk you'd walk down like a back alley or a different side road and you're like I do not remember doing hollow throw-ups on fresh clean walls at all it's just like, geez. Anyway, shout out to all the people that have thought that their stellar cloak keeps them invisible. Uh, <laughs> that cloak is a dangerous thing, man. Uh, I think we might have mentioned it every time I've had grief. It's due to the stellar cloak, the alcohol cloak. Oh, yeah, I'm invisible. I'm fucking confident. Yeah. Back in the fucking cop car. Um, <clears throat> or shoving a pen lead up my arse trying to think I can get rid of the evidence but that's a whole other story <laughs> <laughs> shout out to anyone that knows that story anyway so was there a so you said there was some crews and you know TNF PWS some other crews as well especially DVS in more of the kind of greater London is that the right term greater London yeah I suppose so whatever fuck it um was there actually a person though in the local area where you started where their style was very kind of instrumental in inspiring you to, oh, I'm going to try and do like that style or I've seen that, that, oh yeah, just without maybe consciously or subconsciously inspired how you first started to try and do graffiti? I mean, for, for years I've been saying to people, it's like, it's like my two biggest influences are a bitch and peers. It's like that tag team, I, I just fucking adored everything they did. Yeah. And sort of if you looked at that scene, it's like you could see their, you could still see it it's like this day, you can see their influence everywhere. But then it's when I was looking back at it, it's like, well, hang on. There were people out before that, so like Hooks and people like that. And the Bitch and Pizza, you can see that they've had little bits from his style. 
or maybe like little bits of Phil or something else. And so it's like, I'd probably say it's down to him really. But then sort of as you go on through it, sort of like, like Dino was a massive influence on me. Like I love his stuff. It's just, I, I love grass that's funky. And that's what I've, I always try to get that into whatever I'm doing. I don't know how successfully I do it, but it's like, if it's not funky, I just don't really connect with it anymore. It's like I can look at a wild style piece and really appreciate it and go like, oh yeah, that's amazing. But I don't feel anything looking at graph like that. Like I like chunky, funky looking letters. And so it's a bit off as well. If it's not like really that aesthetically pleasing, it's sort of like there's bits that are wrong and everything. I like all that. Yeah, that's that kind of was it wabasabi? Thing I heard on a different podcast on Graffiti Machine, Wabasabi, um, Beauty of Mistake or Beauty of Ugliness or something like that. And that's kind of, okay. yeah, this whole idea of doing things that are different. So just to clarify for people, that bitch is B, spelled B-I-C-H and Piz, P-I-Z. And I've actually seen an article in, it's Keep the Faith, an old... Um, issue that I got a fair while ago. And I think, I think there's a interview with Piz talking about how that style kind of started and how Piz and Bitch were just like, we want to do stuff, stuff completely different. And what really, you know, I found really nice in that story was that the fact they just be end up, it was, it was almost like a competition to see who could make it the most weird. And they'd be finishing each other's pieces off. So just adding extra bits in, like when doing panels and stuff, to make it that almost like an integrated wild style that's just between them. So they were kind of like doing bits and pieces of their pieces to help each other out. Because you know, sometimes you haven't got a huge amount of time. And I just no, thought, no. Oh, that, that says a lot, doesn't it? About just trying to just make it really organic and fresh and just like add this in, chuck that in, who can do the most dots and squiggles and stuff like that. It just sounds fun as well. Oh, there like is not that. being afraid to fuck up. Like, and, it just takes the pressure off. And you said it was there was bitch and piz, and you did also mention someone else um, that begins with a D. What was that writer's name again? Uh, Dine, Diner. Ah, okay, yes. I've, I've, I misheard and thought you said Dino. I was like, who? Uh, no, it? no, no. I've definitely seen Dine a lot, out and about, very fresh. Definitely that area that you were talking about, Dine, is someone that really sticks out in my mind. So, okay. So in the area where you were, and I said you were kind of in that, the, not the Bermuda Triangle, the Golden Triangle um, <laughs> of, of Graf. Was there a specific spot that was kind of an important part of your local scene? Um, so in my hometown, we, for some reason, one of lads who I painted with like um I can't remember exactly how he got it done but like I'm assuming he must have spoke with someone at the council or something but we ended up getting this wall built on a playing field which faced the track side and it was a ridiculous box it was a 96 foot long wall by I think it was eight feet tall something like that and it was just a really I mean obviously it's sort of like like if you've got hardcore writers, we're like, what? You're going to go fucking paint a wooden fence in a field. But <laughs> if you wanted just a chilled like day, like get a barbecue on the go, some music and stuff like that, it was such a cool spot to paint. 
and people would come from all over the shop just to paint it. It was like, it was brilliant. Like you'd go take the dog out for a walk and then you go out there and be like, no fucking way. Like they've come down from like up north to paint a fucking fence in a field. It's is like, that, how does that work? Is that the one that you sent me a photo of? Yeah, yeah, yeah. Uh, Cause I had seen that. I think I, again, cause it was such a, from, I'm sure there was someone that's put, I'm sure people put footage but it's such a great spot and you can see it from so far away. The the railway just goes literally right by the side of it as well. Boom, there you go, it's but yeah. Been hacked down now. I think years ago it got burned down and then <sighs> um, they rebuilt it for a little bit, but then I don't think that lasted very long. But yeah, hardcore writers are like, yeah, fuck that, yeah. That ain't, that ain't fucking London, bruv. Something like that, I don't know. <laughs> yeah, the other, the other spot would be um, up in Peterborough, there was a spot called the, the Brick Pits which again is sort of just on the outskirts of the town, sort of under a motorway bridge. And that was that's where we were going up just to get all photos and stuff. Even like we'd, we'd go up there just to get photos, just because that's what you did back then, wasn't it? Like you couldn't get it mm. all online. And so it's like, no, no, come on, we'll just jump on the train, it's fine. And then- It was so much of a surprise, you know, like you're saying, you'd go past that spot you were talking about. There was some fences in the middle of a field, and you're like, "Fucking hell!" That writer from up north has been down in and done something. Or you go to the brick pit, and you just you're like, "Fucking hell!" Wow. There's there was a spot that my friend took me to that's very in the middle of nowhere, and it's an old brick factory, I think. And I I just went down there, and he was like, "Oh, I know this paint this place to paint," and he doesn't paint. So I thought, "Oh, what the fuck is this going to be? It's going to be like a one foot high." brick wall in the middle of a field or something and we get there and there was pieces by like Krell, Tors, T-O-R-S, I think it was a couple of knees pieces and and I was like holy fuck how did these guys know about this place and then now that I've known what that spot is you see it on Instagram like okay well I know where that is I know where that is okay it it, it kind of boggles your mind doesn't it sometimes because I guess one person might see it or find it or gets taken there and then before you know it, it's like, it's a nice chilled spot. You can have a bit of time. Because like you described, chilling out, just not not being super, you know, pressurized. Yeah, and like anyone that knows me, like I, I was never that like prolific or anything. Never have been, would never pretend to be. Um, I've always sort of been a bit more on the chilled side when it comes to painting. Like, don't get me wrong. Like I, lo- like, I loved going out on like missions and stuff, but it was, I just don't think I was built for it, to be honest. I just like too highly strong, I just get too paranoid and everything. But um, yeah, like chill spots like that, I just, something about them, I just really, really love them, where you can just actually still, because you know what it's like, you turn up at a wall and you have that social aspect where everyone's chatting and having a laugh and everything. And then nine times out of 10, everyone gets into like super serious mode when they're painting. And then there's like five, 10 minutes worth of chat at the end. I, I, I love all that, but I like a day where you can actually just like, okay, I'm writing my Saturday off. This is what I'm doing. Like have a break in the middle, like, have a barbecue, like say, have some drinks or something. If you've got some music going, that's all good. That's I love all that. I love the social side of it. Yeah, that's definitely a part of <clears throat> graffiti, which I don't know if it, I don't know if it gets as much acknowledgement. I don't know. I'm, you know, it's probably people want to see. I don't know, someone doing a 10 minute Metro back jump. Some people do, but I honestly have to say that some of the most unknowingly therapeutic 
places I've been to have been hanging out with people and painting. Just like somewhere nice and chilled and just, just chatting. And like you're saying, everyone kind of chats at the beginning, laughing and joking, get the wall rolled or whatever. And then, then it kind of goes a bit quiet, doesn't it? Everyone's like really trying to focus on what they're doing. And I'm one of those really annoying people that just doesn't shut up. And everyone's like, oh yeah, okay, cool. Yeah, yeah, all right, cool. Yeah, I'm just trying to fucking fight. I think for me, it's because I'm getting annoyed that I'm not as good as I think I should be. I try and like distract by talking and people are like, yeah, all right, shut the fuck up. Just get on with painting. Um, but yeah, there's definitely that social aspect to painting. You're saying like signing off a whole day, just be like, yeah, this is what I'm doing. Some people go and play five-a-side football. Some people go and paint walls in the middle of a field. That's it's just a social thing, isn't it? Yeah, and it's, I don't know if it's just getting older or whatever, but I, I value that time a lot more now as well. So like if, if like say, for instance, I have like decided like, okay, this is like tomorrow, like I'm gonna do this. It's like in my head, that's exactly what I'm doing. And then if anything encroaches on that, I get really fucking arsy. Just sort of like, you what? Your mum and dad are coming down, when? <laughs> Was that arranged? It's like, oh, right, okay, so I'm gonna have to rush. Okay, well, I've, I've forgotten these things, which are probably way more important relationship wise. But, um, fuck, I've got to fucking do that. Have I? Oh, bloody hell, I've just got really into the habit of getting up super early. So, I even try and get out and paint before I've got to get to work. And at the time, I'm like, what the fuck am I doing? But I just value that bit of time. And it's super, it's a super chilled spot, it is next to the tracks. Um, but just like oh it's just nice just focus on painting for a bit and i, I don't know I, I don't know about you but sometimes i really like painting by myself and then other times painting with other people it kind of switches yeah like I, I find like if you're on your own it's sort of it is a very different feeling or for me at least anyway so it's like i say like main reason i paint these days is socializing with basically just meeting up with my mates but um, I chill out then. But then when you're on your own, it is completely different. And I, I just switch off completely and probably take it a bit more seriously and sort of get a bit harsher on myself critique-wise because I've come to the conclusion I'm never going to get good. <laughs> so it's like, if I can get to like, I don't know, like 60% of what's in my head, if I can get that on a wall, like 60% of what's on in my brain, if I can get that on there, that I'm, I'm kind of happy. I mean, I, I never am happy. I don't like anything I paint ever, but at the same time, I'd probably take it, like I said, I'll try and push myself a bit more when I'm on my own. Whereas with, when I'm with other people, it's like, right, well, I'm never going to burn you. So what's the fucking point? It's yeah. Like, especially some of the people I paint with now, like, it's like, you know, like when you, have you done that thing where you watch someone do something and you know how they're doing it, but you can't get your head around how they're actually doing it. I know the mechanics behind what you're doing with your arm, but I don't understand how you're making it look that fucking dope. Yeah, I paint with someone like that quite regularly. And I just watch what he's doing. I'm like, fucking what on earth? Like, how have you got all of those fucking lines that clean and that sharp? And you've painted pretty fucking quickly. We were painting, wait, you know, met up with him after work one day and I was there with another mate we kind of waited around he he got started I was just like oh, we'll just wait for him to turn up like we were pretty much halfway through our pieces they were pretty simple he just turned up and with like 20 minutes just 
fucking knocked out this chrome piece that just burnt the absolute fucking grannies out of both of ours. I was just like, all right, fair enough. All right. But you know what? I think that there's, we're all really good at being really harsh critics to ourselves. That's the problem, isn't it? That's that kind of, I'm not good enough. I'm not very good. I'm shit. Because even when you said, I'm not, I'm never going to be good. I, I guess, how do you define good? You know? Well, yeah, it's a very, it, it, tricky one, really, isn't it? Because it's all subjective. But I don't know. It's a, I, 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 I always coin the expression, um, what do you call it? Imposter syndrome. Where it's just like, the crew I'm in, I look at like, names that are in like the crew i'm in and it's sort of it's the, the fact that i'm in it i find fucking ridiculous and i just keep waiting to be like found out just be like one of them to be like hang on who's who who is he where's he from Fuck, right. no get him out get him out because for that day to happen because all we care about is if someone is able to be super sick with super wild style crazy shit b-boy yeah it's not just about <laughs> but that's what i've come to realize it's i you know i'm in a couple i'm in a crew and i look at the quality of the other people's pieces and i'm like holy fuck and i have a similar thing i keep thinking when are they gonna then suddenly realize hang on he's fucking shit he's actually shit and We've got people here who are like proper style master generals, but then I guess that's the whole thing, isn't it? You're not put into a crew just because you can be, I mean, there. I'm sure there is some crews, but I don't think they have much longevity really, because surely it's about actually having a laugh with your mates. Yeah, I mean, that's the one thing I sort of take as a bit of solace is like, but if it says anything, it says that I'm not a dick. So you just buy you just buy everyone drugs to keep them happy, <laughs> like yeah. a teenage, like a teenage. Um, oh yeah, if I buy everyone weed, they'll be my mate. <laughs> I've just got a load of dirt on them all, so it's like, yeah, yeah. You think about kicking me out, where right? Envelope B. <laughs> <laughs> just admitted that you're actually undercover cop who's been running a very long term, twenty year undercover case just to catch some people that paint walls but you never know that's not beyond oh yeah it's, it's all a long con <laughs> so where you um grew up or started painting or whatever was there a paint store that you can remember in the area a kind of opening where you could actually get good quality paint not really i don't i mean again like the others from around my neck of the woods probably know a bit better than me but i First memory of getting, we had got hold of um, Spanish Montana. And for Oof. some reason, the youth club in my hometown had got some massive grant from like the Duke of Edinburgh Foundation or whatever it is. And so there was just a fucking store cupboard full of this Spanish Montana. Oof. And so you can imagine, it's sort of like, you'd go up there, like you'd have one of the youth workers have the key, you'd be like, okay, what one do you want? And you're like, oh, the red, no, the other red. And then as soon as his back's turned, you've got someone <laughs> passing back to the person behind you. It's like, it didn't last all that long. But after that, I just remember mail order was the way I went. I got loads of like, like Belton's and stuff like that. I just found somewhere that was doing mail order stuff for them. Yeah. But other that, like we had Hapwoods and like your little mum and pop like car shops and stuff like that, which sold shit paint family owned places so many of them must go out of fucking business if like spray paint is their main thing 
the amount of people you see stories of like yeah just going up with duffel bags and filling up sh- filling up fucking duffel bags with paint and you're just like holy shit those places don't even make a profit as it is but i guess a lot of them would just stop selling spray paint because if you're getting in tons of stock and then it just disappears because loads of people are doing those fucking racking missions I, I don't know how much people do i'm sure they do but you know i don't know about you but you'd see tags by people and you'd be like why the fuck have they been here there's quite a few london writers where their tags would like appear in the kind of bumpkin area where i lived and i just think why the fuck have they been here and i was like oh because they've been coming here and fucking raging all the paint shops because there's there's no beeper and the people have no idea that someone robs paint no it's the other thing as well i think it was sort of like a just a an unspoken sort of understanding between us lot and the bloke that used to run this shop because we'd buy paint as well but like you'd take more than you paid for <laughs> so like it'd be like okay well i'm it's gonna happen anyway i may as well get a few quid out of it and just let them do it and the price anyway so the price of actual spray paint now even now you look at it in like hardware stores and they'll sell a can of plastico for like 16 pounds so for people that don't get that in australia that's like 30 dollars for a can of fucking paint and you're like i think they're making a little bit of a profit margin with that just a tiny bit yeah, I think they, at that time they could afford to lose a few quid. Probably not so much now. But. That's us rationalising theft. But, um, you know, that's that's definitely something I've noticed with graffiti where, you know, just the ease of getting stuff by mail order. You know, I heard an interview with um, Ben Ein and he was talking about how he realised he could go and buy paint off someone in London and then comparing that to getting on a fucking overnight bus to Amsterdam to go and rack, rack like, Belton's and bunt lacks i was like actually i can just go to meet this dude fill up a bag full of stuff get the train home and it's less than an hour's journey maybe i'll start doing that it's just that it's yeah, just the ease days. of why, doing it yeah exactly why would you do the go the hard way well because it makes you a toy wants an easy life. if you don't do it if you don't if you don't wrap your paint you're a fucking toy apparently so anyway that's um that's me joking obviously because i buy all my paint um so there was there was a store um, but that was that was like the youth center like i've heard quite a few stories like that where they're like yeah we'll get in and we'll do like graffiti workshops yeah great and all the people just attend just end up robbing all the fucking paint yeah it, it, it didn't last long i must admit but um that was all it, it was kind of like a little hub for us as well like i don't know if it's for the same for a lot of kids from like small towns but that's for the youngsters out there that's when the internet weren't necessarily in everyone's house or on their phone and so we'd all just be gathered around this computer waiting for about 10 minutes for one picture of a panel to load and then like when it finally does everyone's like oh my fucking god that's amazing and then you like try and rinse the printer so you could print loads of them off as well and then yeah that came on top pretty quickly because you got about like six, seven people all like just going through all of their expenses like photo paper. Oh, so they had a proper like photo printing. Yeah, that's quite a nice setup. Uh. Yeah, there was a lot of, and even people that weren't like into painting would just like they'd be looking over your shoulder at what you were looking at, and then they'd be like, "Oh, can I get one of them printed off?" Like, yeah, go on. Yeah, it's like got to try and read it. 
Well, that's the thing though, isn't it? With like youth centers and that type of stuff that, you know, they're trying to fund things to give people stuff to do, but you just take the fucking piss, don't you? You just like, like, oh, we'll just fucking rob the paint. We'll not rob the paint. We'll take the piss. We'll take all the paint. We'll use up all the fucking photo printing stuff. Yeah, we'll just we'll just take the piss, and then they won't be able to do it anymore. But who cares? We get something for free. Exactly. I've always had this theory, like with kids and stuff. Like you know, like like you see like Christmas videos, like you used to see on You've Been Framed stuff. And like they'd have like the most ridiculously expensive presents, but then all they want to do is play with the empty box and stuff like that. Yeah. It's like, I don't think that ever really leaves. So I think like if you were to get like a load of teenagers and be like, okay, here's a load of broken aquariums. We need these smashed up or something. So, like give them a load of bricks. They would have probably the best time of their lives. Just smashing up shit. I suppose you, I suppose you just take stuff for granted, don't you? That's the thing. If And that's often the thing with people that have a lot of things given to them for whatever reason it's not just as simple as all oh, their parents are spoiling them because often a lot of parents who maybe have come into money didn't have anything given to them when they were younger because their family worked very well off and it, that's that's more complicated than just seeing it from the outside perspective but i guess it's that whole thing of if you're just kind of given stuff every fucking day you don't really appreciate it and especially when you're a child your brain and, and a teenager your brain is not this is the thing, I, you know, through my work, I work with a lot of families and a lot of people who've had young children. And they're like, why do they not do exactly what I want? And I have to explain to them that, you know, people's brains don't even finish actually, like, maturing until they're early to mid-twenties. So trying to expect a six or seven-year-old to act like a fucking automaton robot, it's like, well, it ain't going to fucking work. Just give them, give them spray paint, that'll sort them out. Um, yeah, keep them out of trouble. Now, okay, yeah, we'll get them in trouble, get the house raided, shit their pants, whatever. <laughs> um, <laughs> so, okay, so I have been doing some rapid fire questions at the end of these episodes. Um, another thing I was going to say is that people have been messaging me going, bring back the toy stories, bring back the embarrassing toy stories. Well, I'm not going to have people tell me what to do, but. I do think, do you have like a story or an experience? I don't know if I sent this to you in the questions, maybe I'm catching you by surprise, but where you look back and you think, holy fuck, what was I doing? Uh, there's a couple. Um, the one which was the most mortifying to me to think about to this day was um, at the same youth club I was just on about, we'd just done like a couple of like shit, like, throw ups with do you remember Simon Eyes? No. Simon Eyes Chrome Paint. No. Simon Eyes. Yeah, it's from Halfords and it used to the caps on it were I think they were like male caps, so it just destroy your finger. But it would it would come out like so thin, you'd be there for hours just filling in. But we'd done um just a couple of dubs up there. And then some of these guys from over Peterborough came down to our neck of the woods to come paint this place. And I did possibly the most blatant surbite I've ever seen in my entire life. Like even like I don't, if you were if you were trying any harder, you would have just written sir. Or I would have just written sir. And like they just walked around the corner and just looked at this place and all of them just started laughing. And to this day, like I just get haunted by that. It's a fucking horrible memory. 
So Sir S S E R, so Sir F D C. Yes, yes, that's right. Okay. When he was doing sort of the the big square angular letters. Yeah. <laughs> you didn't was... write you didn't write res, did you? <laughs> Just no, do it no. backwards. <laughs> <laughs> that would have been the one. But there was another one where me and my painting partner at the time had been out doing some track sides and got back to mine because like growing up everyone just used to live at my house um and my room was in the cellar now, if you imagine going down a staircase and there being like a hole knocked in the stairwell so you could poke your head through into the room like two beds one either side it's like this hole and for some reason like we came in sort of thought we were slick and quiet and everything as like oh it's about five to twelve let's catch the 10 minute tease for the adult channel, see what's going on with that. So I put it on and it was like that bit in American Pie, you know, when it's all fuzzy, but they can hear it. Yeah. And so all, out of nowhere, my mum's come down the stairs, like, what's all this noise? And my mate is sort of the other side of this hole, like going, telly, turn the fucking telly down, turn the telly down. I was like, what? And he's like, oh, fuck. So it was like, it sort of got up to, go and turn the telly off it was like perfectly timed where it was this sort of this bloke just like oh obviously just sort of chucked his muck or something but my mum just sort of half pissed half asleep just sort of looked at me looked at my mate and sort of went you boys get up to some fucking weird shit don't you and I was like oh god this is my life I sneak around and then my mum thinks that me and my mate are both just sat in my room watching porn quietly just bizarre thinking back. Oh, that's really tickled me. Fucking hell. That's really, I'm laughing so much. It's made my jaw hurt. <laughs> wow. So it wasn't just the painting mission. It was like, yeah, we've gone and done the track side. Let's get the 10 minute, the 10 minute tease. Yeah. And at the time. And that, that just for people that are listening, you know, back in the day, it was not, you just, because on your phone, I, mean, I you know, I've seen stuff about how much it fucks up people's minds, just being able to just type into their phone hardcore porn and then without any sort of filter or anything, it just pops up. There you go. Oh, great. No pun intended. And um, <laughs> but then back in the day, it was like there was so what the, there was so many random things on cable TV where it would be like. You just just a woman with a top off, and they'd be like, "Oh my god, fucking hell!" Or there'd always be somehow a copy of the Daily Sport in a skip somewhere, like you'd be skating at like a. Yes, yeah, like um, whenever you're going into an abandoned building, you can play abandoned bingo, can't you? Yeah. It's always like a a stash of porn, normally like one child's shoe, which is really disconcerting. <laughs> Pile of needles, sort of. Like, my child's shoe that is disturbing isn't it like why the fuck is that in here there's always something like that though like a like a what a baby shoe or like a dolly or something it's like normally a smashed telly of some description and uh, loads of ne- and loads of needles and what you now realize are crack pipes and you're like this is just and for a, a young graph writer you're like this is great we can come in here and paint and then you go to some of the bigger i remember going to one in, i think it's wandsworth in in london and it was was fucking great you know the amount of pieces that were in there were just crazy it was just it was just a a massive abandoned warehouse next to the thames and 
there was pieces in there by proper like graph kings and it was quite difficult to get in you had to like climb a climb around a to go into a sainsbury's supermarket car park and then you'd have to like climb wrap they put like a spiked fence all the way around and you had to kind of like climb over a fence where the thames is so you're above the water and then like shimmy round and hope you don't you don't want to oh god and then we were there one day and we'd have a fucking great day it was all really good done loads of pieces we'd met some people like, wow they're kings but we'd been there there people like do not go into the other rooms do not go into those rooms and someone described it as like something out of a fucking horror film but just crackheads in the dark and in my young mind i was just imagining zombies and that was the day where my mate as we were leaving thought oh, i'm just gonna do a little pen tag on like a fence two seconds later undercover police turned up we'd all been stopped they were like, right, yeah, if you guys have got fucking blow on you, you're all going to get fucking done, yeah? Because I think they thought we were crackheads coming out of the um, <laughs> warehouse. And then my mate just, they were like, what's your mate's name? What's And we were like, oh, I don't know what his name is. And then he'd gone and jumped on a bus. And then a second later, a police van like pulled up in front of the bus. He jumped off the back. They all went running after him. So then we're just running through the streets of Wandsworth on a fucking Sunday afternoon, just sprinting down, a, I think they called a fucking helicopter, all over one little silver pen tag. Quite though, the office for him then. Yeah, just chilled. But it was just the way this cop just thought it was proper street. He was like, yeah, if you lads have got fucking blow on you, you're fucked. Or right, if you've got blow on you. And I, was, I don't, that day I was thinking, what the fuck did he mean, blow? Like, what? What's he fucking talking about? I think he was talking about crack, I guess. I got, I got stopped at customs coming back from my honeymoon in Florida. And I swear to God that like the geezer that stopped me was just using terms he's heard in films. It's like, right, toss his bags. I was like, but no one says that in real life. That just happens in cartoons and movies, doesn't it? He's like, right, pad him down. It's like, it was all fun and games until they pointed the gun at my head, but... Yeah, T yeah. got, got a fucking kick in where they take you a bit with no cameras and just give you a fucking kick in. Yeah. Yeah. I didn't that's... go that far, fortunately. I was basically in what looked like a, like, have you seen the game, excuse me, the game show, The Cube? Yes. It's like a big Perspex cube with various puzzles that they have to try and do, like Krypton Factor, Crystal May style stuff. Yeah. And that's what I was, it was like this thing, you go in, there's like a doormat with footprints on the floor and it's like, all right, it's fairly evident what's happening. And then, yeah, every every search conceivable other than the glove getting slapped on. And, oh. then, and then, yeah, they then said, oh, you can go. Or one of the officers told me I could go. This is, I was waiting for um, some swabs to come back, like DNA swabs. And like, I was like saying to this woman, I was like, are you sure I can go? She's like, yeah, yeah, don't worry, it's fine. So then went to leave, and then the guy that had stopped me initially come running over and literally pointed a gun at my head, said, Free! But you don't, because you're shitting yourself, so you're doing this weird sort of rictus dance. It's like, okay, um, I go now. And that's, yeah, that's when I went, yeah, toss his bags. You like, do realise I'm British, and I'm not, I'm not acquainted to people going, Free! <laughs> for fucking, I don't know. I won't ask you why you've been stopped, but sometimes they can go a bit over the fucking top, can't they? I, I get stopped literally every time I travel. I don't know why, I just do. It's all the heroin you've got shoved up your ass, I guess. Um, yeah, yeah, I've obviously <laughs> just got the look of a mule. <laughs> I often see those programs on TV when it's like 
border border force or whatever it is here in Australia. And there's always some person from God knows where just like broke trying to speak broken English and then you know they're like sweating not looking good and they don't really show it because they often got the face blurred it's like the person was found with half a kilo of heroin in their bowel or something they've now been sentenced to, and you're just like oh god how depressing but to the older generation they're like they're, yeah get them out of here yeah don't let those scum in the country over there though isn't it like if you turn up and you put like half banana in your bag you're getting fucked at it it's like my favourite, yeah, yeah. my favourite is when you see people from normally China, and they'll turn up with the most weird-looking stuff. Looks like a fucking alien life form embryo, like in a jar. And they've been told you can't bring anything live in. And they'll like open the bag, and there's like moving fucking insects and f- like half a fucking lobster, electrically stimulated to move. And then they just go, "Oh no, I didn't didn't read the form. I didn't realise." Anyway, we've gone massive, massively off topic. But what were you going to say? <laughs> no, I was just, I, uh, let's get back on topic. I was just about to say something about that border force program because I just remembered an episode of it, but. Go for it. Yeah. Go on. People People don't no, want to I just hear about I the graffiti. One episode of it I see, they stopped this couple, come, they'd like been away to Africa and they came back and they stopped them. They bought some like drums or something and on the outside of it, they were like, they had nuts or something from Africa on it. And they've like, and they find them like $3,000 for having these drums because it had nuts on it and you can't bring nuts into Australia or something. Yeah. Yeah, it's fucking mind bending. The, the, the whole thing is, is this idea that if you, and I can understand the reason behind it, you know, I think in Europe, it's just, they don't even fucking bother. But here, because Australia is just a giant island, if they control the plant life and stuff and food types coming in and out of Australia, well, they're probably into Australia, then there's less likely the, the plants and vegetables and ecosystems going to be affected by from whatever but again they just there's this idea that australia is so environmental and they want to make sure everything's amazing but then just fucking treat the environment like shit but that's a whole other that's a whole other conversation next week on toy division having a go at politicians about climate change so (laughs) so all right so those those do sound pretty embarrassing and like you're saying when you know you have that feeling you can still remember the drop in like ego from that, um, from doing something that looks like a sir piece, and you're like, Ugh. I think I never fully recovered from it, to be honest. I think it's that's probably why I think so little of myself to this day. It's just sort of like that one moment completely crushed whatever self esteem I had. Well, it did teach me the lesson like, right, try and do your own thing. Like, you can have your influence, and I'm a big proponent of being like honest about where, where your styles come from. Yeah. But, um, yeah, it's sort of like, okay don't get too close to the source because you will get mocked shamelessly stop, stop putting up fdc as well um <laughs> that little beaver character that he did next to that one well fdc what a great crew what a you know definitely you know so dire swag sir who else was in pest uh so many zone so many people in london at the time like well all like late nineties, it's my favourite era of graph. Like I can't think of anything that I like better than that. It's probably just your formative years, isn't it? And that's yeah. what you latch on to. But it's like everyone there was just so fucking dope, and everyone was 
yeah, like pushing things that little bit further in weird directions. I really liked Zoned from SD FDC. I was talking to, um, I was talking to my mate about him the other day. I never know. Is it Scholar or Scholar? See, this is what pops up. This is someone else that was interviewed recently, and they. I always used to say Scholar, but I then got told it's Scholar. Yeah, I, I think he's like really underrated. Oh yeah, because like you saw like when he was like smashing it, and and again like I think it came up in one of the other podcasts the other day. Like not necessarily from inside town, and then all of a sudden he's fucking everywhere, and he had a huge influence on like a load of people down my way as well. Because I, I think we'd been on like a lads holiday or something on the train. We'd seen loads of his stuff. It's like fuck me, I like that. And then you start. Once you've seen someone, you start seeing it everywhere, didn't you? Or you yeah. subconsciously seek it out. And so like that then had a massive influence on the load of us lot. Tried to blend that with what we already had going on down our neck of the woods as well. So Scholar used to quite often paint, if I've pronounced it right, Scholar, Chang and Catch. Yeah, yeah. And I even have it recently where someone's put some um, photos on instagram of the ascot bowl and there's like a a catch chang scholar fucking production and i just was like graffiti fucking wank graffiti wank style i was just like oh god oh geez that's the best thing i've ever seen that probably sounds the most wrong thing i might have to edit that phrase out on the actual edit graph wank Jesus, but someone, um, someone mentioned they saw a Rage DS, DSF panel running. And they were just like, yeah, that's the kind of thing you'd see in a magazine, just wank over it. <laughs> it's like, we're not actually masturbating, but it's that like graph board. Like, oh God, that writer and this writer. Oh God, bloody hell, someone's done that. It's not the 10 minute tease. Um, it's, the 20, it's the 20 year tease. <laughs> um, there was one time we were on the train to Cambridge and there was a, a zoom dub which must have been about like 15 feet tall and took out an entire bridge and there was like about six of us we were going to in Cambridge there's this thing called the Strawberry Fair which is basically just like a free festival um, so we're all on the train to see this it, it, I don't think we realised what it was until like later on that day when we were talking to some other people about it it's like oh that's what that was but we just saw it and all of us were just like, what the fuck was that? It was ridiculous. Like I couldn't, uh, my brain at that point couldn't fathom some painting that big. Like, I don't, I don't, I don't, I'd seen massive dubs and stuff before, but like that one just blew my mind completely. Yeah. Yeah. And you kind of think, holy fuck. There's someone that's, um, there's some people where you look at what they do with rollers and you just think that takes, that must take so fucking long. <laughs> I guess it maybe doesn't cause it's roller, but you know, there's some definitely not. Well, last time I was in Bristol, I was seeing loads of, I think it's Soak, S-O-A-K, like huge yeah. roller pieces where it almost looks like it's that style where it's like cracking into bits and falling apart. Yeah. I was like, fucking hell, pushing it to the next level. Yeah, I just imagine he's got like massive, massive Popeye arms. It's like if you're doing that much roller in, just like, turn up. It's like, who is it? It's like, oh, it's that geezer over there. 
really good long-sighted vision because you're constantly looking up and the back of your neck is just like a fucking tree trunk. You're constantly staring upwards. Or it might be the reverse, because I guess a lot of them are like lean over ones. So maybe it maybe yeah, it's possibly. Yeah, maybe it like shares it out. So yeah, you've got the looking up, but then you're also looking down and you're rolling downwards. So he's got fucking huge biceps, but fucking double-sized fucking triceps. That's it. <laughs> just rest of the body normal. Anyway, we're just we're just speculating what the person who writes soak might look like so answers on a postcard toy division underscore podcast so i'm going to give the rapid fire questions i haven't made any of these up for this episode i'm going to use some of the other ones so but then i have actually asked two different guests so belt and Rowl or original spanish montana hardcore spanish montana that seems to be the that seems to be the answer to be honest um banana cap or a new york fat cap Got to go banana because I paint on a budget these days. And like I think it was the last or the last episode I listened to, someone was like, "We got to squeeze every last bit of paint out." And yep, I go along with that. <laughs> See, that makes I yeah, I I don't know. Maybe I'm just fucking reckless. Um, I I do try and save paint, but filling in with a skinny cap, holy fuck, takes fucking forever. I know, but like we were saying earlier, that's my time for chilling out. So, I like oh. to. I'm, I'm in no rush when I paint, Espe- like, especially if I'm on my own. Like, I'm happy to spend as long as it takes. All right, maybe I'm a bit impatient. And the one which has pushed this question has pushed up a bit of controversy outside of the episodes because there's some people from a certain part of Australia who are like revokes a fucking snitch. Don't fucking listen to him. But fucking don't even ask his fucking name. But anyway, revoke MSK or JAXTC. Nice. All right. Well, that's actually been a little bit different from, but I have to say the Spanish Montana Hardcore, the original, just for people to realize that it's changed quite a lot. Last time I used Spanish Montana Hardcore, it was fucking shit and it blocked every fucking cap that I used. And one of the people I was painting with, he just was like, this is fucking terrible. It's awful. So I don't know what on earth happened to that paint because it used to be great. See, I, I had the opposite thing with Belton years ago. Like I had a few real, well, not a few, more than a few duff cans of Belton. And that was enough for me. I was like, yeah, the range is good and everything. I like it. But if the cans are going to keep fucking up, then I'm not going to buy it. Yeah. Yeah. It's fucking annoying, isn't it? Or do what I did and buy some paint, which was, <clears throat> I didn't realise it was that transparent shit. I still don't understand what right, you meant to do yeah. with it. Yeah, um, I, I accidentally, when I was hungover, bought six cans of white and then got home and it was transparent white. I was like, oh, fuck. I bought 10 cans of the fucking transparent white and 10 cans of the fucking transparent black by mail order, directly from mm. Ironlack. And then got it and then I'd, I'd, I'd roll it a background, I'd done a proper fill, had a nice piece. It was my cat's name. I was like, yeah, doing a dedication piece for my cat. Yeah, sick. White outline. Fuck, shake it a bit more. The fuck is this? Look at it. Mist, it was like misty or transparent. I was like, oh fuck. So I had 10 cans, 10 cans of white, 10 cans of black. Facebook mess, even though I don't use fucking Facebook, just like, how can I get to Iron Lack quickly enough? And they're like, yeah, you just got to send it back in the post. I was like, oh, I've got to pay the fucking postage, have I? Oh, it's just yeah, still it's sitting. Like it. Yeah, it's just sitting in my fucking garage now. I'm like, oh, well, that's never going anywhere. Because I don't even know. What, what are you meant to do with those transparent? cans like what what's the point of it 
I've no idea, mate. I've used it in the past where, like I said, because I had five cans of it. And so, like, I just use it to go over things. So, like, you'd, I'd use it to, like, add a shadow to something or change the colour of a green slightly or something like that. But other than that, it's just, yeah, it's I've still got about four of them just out here. Because, you know, then someone was like, oh, maybe I should actually speak to this person. He was like, oh, I'll, I'll swap it for some other paint. But I was like, what the fuck are you... Because this is what I'm interested in. Like, what is the point? It obviously has a point. It obviously has a reason. Is it to get, like, that misty change in colour or, like, a real slight change? I just don't really get it. That's uh, two techers for me, mate. <laughs> yeah. If it's not a plain white or a plain black, then it's beyond my um, my cognitive understanding. So one of the last things um, that we normally do is I ask people if they want to shout anyone out. And some people do. Uh, do you want to shout anybody out? It can be literally anybody. It doesn't even have to just be about painting. No, no, no one in particular. Just everyone who would be expecting one, they know where they are. So no need to do it, really. Good answer. <laughs> Anyone that I give a fuck about will probably listen to this, know who I am anyway. So what's the point of shouting them out? Like reverse psychology. I like it. Yeah. Um, okay, so I um, so thanks so much for doing this, and um, yeah, no, thank, thanks for having me on, mate. I don't think we've actually talked about finding children's shoes in warehouses, having a gun pointed at your head, um, and potentially uh, getting busted watching the ten minute tea. So thanks so much for the difference in this one. It's been a <laughs> good laugh. So I'm just going to stop recording. That was another good episode with a fellow resident of the UK. Please subscribe, give us a five-star review, share with your mates. And like I said at the beginning, if you've got any ideas about how I can turn Toy Division into something which would be more frequent, imagine if it was seven days a week, please just direct message me on Toy Division underscore podcast. And as I said, I'm not selling my arsehole on the streets again. Anyway, peace out, Toy Division.